Session 150, our 150th session. And the first for this year. Yes, yes, yes. And it's a good day, January the 1st. For those who are, uh, who tune in only for Q&A, Happy New Year. (laughs) And, uh, it's a good day, 7th of Jan. And finally we have a speaker in America. Hallelujah. Third most powerful position, somebody who's sober, because the other two, one and two is slightly off, not quite off. So the joke was that we had 3D there, two on drugs and one drunk. <laughs> the drunk is out, the sober has come in. So now let us hope there is some balance of power in that country whose actions affect all our lives. Otherwise, we wouldn't be bothered. Like Putin is fighting a war in Ukraine. It doesn't really affect us. As long as he gives us oil and coal cheap, we are very happy. Let them fight their battles. But like I said... Something, it's a good day, because some balance has come in, McCarthy is speaker, the Congress in the hands of another side, and uh, we look forward to a good year of investigations, proper investigations, Amen. Amen. to see what all junk has been happening in all these years. So, uh, all those are interested in politics, we'll have some fireworks probably this year. Okay, but for those who are interested only in God, we will go to the Q&A. Because <laughs> ultimately all these things don't matter because the kingdom of God is getting closer and closer and closer. Amen. So, all that I said was a joke, okay? Mm-mm. But there is some facts in it, that too. Let's look to the Lord. Father, this evening, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, Lord, we thank you. We just thank you, Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord. You brought us to a new year in seven days. Thank you, Father. Our first Q&A for 2023. So many questions, Lord, from all around the world. We do not have the time probably to finish them all. But, Lord, I pray whatever questions we take tonight will bring strength, confidence, peace, answer to your people. Mm, Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We come at this time into thy hands, O Lord. Speak to your people. Give us the wisdom to answer these questions that are true to your word and to the life of your son. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, Pastor Richard. So we'll start with the question, with the 10th question. Um, it says, to hunger and thirst for his righteousness. To be hungry is not enough. Would you say I must be really starving to know what is in his heart towards me? It's like when the prodigal son was hungry, he went to feed upon his husks. But when he was starving, he turned to his father. So to hunger and thirst really means to be desperate, to be starving, to feel life is ebbing out, to realize my urgent need of help. I truly want 
that kind of desperation for God? Any suggestions? Okay, I mean, uh, this question is actually talking about uh, the hunger of the soul, actually, the hunger of the soul. How many people reach there? I do not know. If you look through church history and uh, old covenant history, very few people reach there. And uh, the fundamental issue is, uh, I mean, it's, a, it's not an easy question to answer because what I, <coughs> because these are what we call real life experiences. You can give a theological answer, but certain answers will not satisfy unless it becomes an experience. experience. Like salvation is an ex- experience. Yes. You can, somebody can hear about and know all about the ABCDs of salvation and yet not be saved mm. because salvation is an experience. So when it comes to this, let me uh, bring the difference. Like the person who is talking about this or anybody who is pondering is a believer. Yes. It's not an unbeliever. It's a believer. Remember, the prodigal son was a son. Yes. Was a son. He went from his father's house. I mean, he, he didn't lose his faith. He walked away from his faith. Mm. Okay. Otherwise, he, would, he could have never come to his senses because in his senses, there is no memory of his father's house, the goodness of the father. So the father says that he was a son. Mm. The son who came back. Okay. He's not an unbeliever who comes to the Lord in the faith. It is a believer who, what we say, backslid. Hmm. To the point of almost perdition, and from there he comes back. Okay, hmm. so even the 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 example of the prodigal son doesn't fit in with this this thing. Okay, because his hunger is basically a hunger of the stomach, hmm. where he's come to the end. Okay, a lot of people come there in their deathbed in poverty, finances, all there, and they cry out to God, and they it can happen. All these things can happen. So this is a different thing. This is the hunger and thirst for God. Mm. For God. Okay, mm. for God. Let me put it across. <clears throat> Salvation begins when we hear the gospel, and we hear about it. See, uh, the gospel is the gospel of Christ. Okay, there are different terms that is used in the word of God, the gospel of the kingdom of God, the gospel of God, mm. the gospel of Christ. Okay, so it's basically, primarily, it is the gospel of Christ. Yes. In the old covenant, you will see, like we saw on Friday, in old covenant, you will always see about the old covenant ends with Jesus on the cross. That's when the old covenant finishes. So even when Jesus is preaching or speaking, he will say, have faith in God, have faith in God. And then he will say, have faith in me. But when the new covenant begins, it is not so much have faith in God. Mm. Faith in God. It is having faith in Christ. Because salvation is beginning. Mm. You can be an old covenant person having faith in God and without having faith in Christ, and you are not saved. To be saved, you have to believe in the work God did through his son. So we preach Christ. Yes. We are not preaching God. We are preaching God in Christ. Mm-hmm. And through Christ, God is reconciling. So if you don't preach Christ, people cannot be saved. Yes. So the new covenant is a complete paradigm shift from the old covenant. The old covenant was only for Israel. Mm. 
God had a covenant with Israel through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He had a covenant. So we saw on Saturday, on watch night, when uh, Elijah prays, he has to pray to the God of our father, Abraham, yes. Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah. That is the, the that covenant. is the covenant. Mm-hmm. Yes. But we don't actually pray like that. We pray in the name, name of, of Jesus. Jesus because yeah. our covenant is a new covenant through Jesus Christ. So when we preach Christ, basically the work of Christ, Okay, what the Spirit of God does is, if you look at the, if you look at uh, the first time when Peter preaches, what the Spirit of God does is that he shows two things. One, he shows me yeah. the depravity of my sin. He shows me, and then he shows Christ. Mm. He shows Christ. Both has to be there. He'll convict the world of, of sin, sin and then of righteousness. If he convicts him only of my sin. Then I'm hopeless because mm. there's there's nothing you can do about it. It's, it's it's done, so you're condemned under the law, whichever law you want to refer to. You're condemned under the law, and the wages of sin is death. Yes. So then he points to Christ Jesus. So he says, "This Jesus, whom you crucified, God has made both Lord and Savior." So that is where salvation begins. There is a conviction. And then pointing to Jesus, mm. you put your trust in Jesus mm. alone. Alone, faith in Jesus alone, mm. and nothing else. Oh. Okay, faith in Jesus she alone, nothing else. That is the struggle. Okay, and that is in Jesus alone. <laughs> and the thing is that yes, we all begin that way, but the struggle is to continue that. that way. Yes, yes. The thing is that you can also only continue also that way. Faith in Jesus alone. alone. Mm. Okay. Goes on right. believing. But the problem is, like the Galatian believers, you will again flip over to mm. put some trust in your works. Mm. Okay. okay, Like simple. Uh, like I said on Friday, you wake up every morning like a discipline and you do your Bible studies. So you feel good. Okay. I, okay. <laughs> you, you start putting a little trust, trust in, in that. It. Yes. You never miss church. You're trust always, trust. You always come. All these are good, but don't put your trust in, in that. Them. Mm. Don't put your trust in any of these things. Okay? You pray for two hours. Very good. Hallelujah. <laughs> Don't put your trust, trust in, in that. That. that is that none of the, these things are all good in itself. But if you're going to put your trust in it, then it becomes faith in Christ plus works. Mm. Now the issue here is this is where the issue comes in is in the translations. If you go to the book of Galatians. This is where I want to answer the question. If you go to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16 in KJV, I want it in KJV because when you come to any other version, the actual meaning is lost, okay? Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by, by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we may be justified by the faith of Jesus Christ, of Christ, and not by the works of law, but for for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So you need to realize this is what he is saying is this. When I believed, okay, when I believed, to believe, God gave me a measure of faith. Gave me a measure of faith. That measure of faith he gave me was his faith was the faith of Jesus Christ. Mm. Okay? Taking that faith of Jesus Christ, I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. In Jesus Christ. Okay? Now you come to verse 20. Mm. Okay? Now 20 mm. of that same. Okay? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Mm. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. 
and the life which I now live in the flesh. Your flesh means body, not the other flesh. The works of the flesh, not that flesh. Here means the body, this body. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is, this too is what is most important. Okay, what's happening is that when we come to faith, we take that faith and we put it in Christ Jesus and we are saved. And after that, what we are still struggling is that we are, let me put it across so that people who listen know will understand. We have taken that faith and we are still living our life. That is the entire error of the word of faith movement, the basic error. It's not that everything they say is wrong, then nobody will buy it. Mm. Okay. The entire issue is that we are trying to live in the new covenant and old covenant life. Mm. In the old covenant, when you say, if you look at the entire book of Hebrews chapter 11, it is talking about, finally, when you come to 12, one says, we are surrounded by a cloud, cloud of, of witnesses. witnesses. What are the, who are these witnesses? These are witnesses of faith, starting from Abel onwards. Okay, but when it comes to words two of Hebrews twelve, it says, "Look unto Jesus, who is the author okay. and the finisher or perfecter of our yes. faith." Okay, so what happens is we can either struggle a genuine godly person, genuine godly person who loves God and seeking God. In the new covenant, continue to live an old covenant life by using faith for this and that and this and actually succeeding because faith works. Faith works. Wow. Yet after a point, because he's genuinely seeking and searching, he will be frustrated yeah. because what you are trying to do is you are trying to use faith and grace to live your life. It's your desires. And your desires are not per se bad. No, nothing bad is there. Everything is good. The problem is Christ is not living through you. It's still not living through you. Here when he comes to 2020, it is not. He's living the life. The faith of Christ has become your life. Oh, yes. See, if you go through Paul talking about the gospel or as the gospel is presented by John the Baptist from Jesus onward, go and preach the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, and then gospel of God, then the gospel of Christ. By the time Paul comes to Timothy in 2.8, if I'm right, 2 Timothy 2.8 two eight. or 1 Timothy 2.8, just look over there, it's 2. You see, by the time he comes to his end, the gospel has become his. According to my gospel. My gospel. How did it become his life? He does not have a life apart from Christ. Mm. This is the satisfaction God promises. This is gospel. Because there's no life. His life and Christ's life. Because in First Corinthians, uh, one who is one with the Lord is one spirit with him. Mm. This is where the mystery of marriage he puts across. 19, but this was a man, when the old, in the old covenant, the psalmist was talking about as the deer panda for the water. You want its real, um, real um, practice in the new covenant? It's the letter in Philippians. That is what he wants. He, pan, he wants a life with God, in God, and nothing separate. That is why he was the one who was used to reveal these mysteries because these mysteries have to be revealed. You need a person who experiences it. Mm. For a person to experience, you need a person with that kind of a hunger. And Paul is that man. He hungered after God. 
ठीक है ही हंगर्ड आफ्टर गॉड सर दिस इज वेर वी नीड टू रियलाइज देर इज फेथ इन क्राइस्ट देर इज दफ क्राइस्ट दफ क्राइस्ट फेथ ऑफ क्राइस्ट वेन सो वेन गॉड ब्रिंग्स the mystery of marriage over there that's where he said the two shall be one and not two but you see the but in the fallen man it was given as a picture but it is fulfilled in christ so a man gets married and the woman comes over there uh, let us put the example of isaac and rebecca isaac and rebecca okay because that's a very good example in the old covenant rebecca leaves everything comes to isaac her entire life should be focused around what does isaac want mm. what does isaac want yeah okay what does isaac like so in the process of learning and meeting it what is happening is rebecca is changing yeah rebecca is changing let's put it in a simple way let's put go to isaac and rebecca so that we don't ruffle any 21st century feathers okay <laughs> we shall stay with isaac and rebecca so she is coming from haran and she is coming to the promised land and she slowly talks and isaac talks and she realizes let us start with the simple things okay this is what isaac likes to eat now let us say rebecca's diet was different slightly old but she changes and she gets to like what isaac likes to eat then she realizes this is how isaac likes her to be dressed and she changes that this is how i could like her to be interested in the topics which he says so she learns about it conversation changes mm-hmm. in the process what you need to realize is rebecca is changing, rebecca is changing, changing and changing and changing and what she is living is she is living, living the, the life, life of isaac. isaac yes yes and after some time if you look at though outwardly they look different inwardly they are one person yeah. mm-hmm. one person so this picture is put over there okay the abuse of patriarchy comes the fallen man all that happens but paul says but i am talking about christ and the church so ultimately what is happening is the frustration is the church is trying to use christ to fulfill their own personal desires mm. and it does not matter whether it's a good desire or a bad desire but the desire is theirs <laughs> desire is this okay so jesus comes and says one thing is that he says i have no desire except for my father's desire so he is the model god sends out and says this is where real satisfaction lies so he says i do not say anything other than what i have heard he says i do not do anything other than what i have seen my father so ultimately the entire thing that is happening on earth in the life of jesus christ is the father living through the son it is a father who is living through the son mm. because christ is not living his life the only discord you see is in the garden of gethsemane where he falls in place and says your will and not my will be done so through it all he is living his father's life so he says i am trying to tell you this is how life should be lived and you will be absolutely totally be satisfied there is no discontent you will be at peace you will be at joy everything is because and the righteousness of the father is fulfilled in me now he say i showed you a way now you do that i will live my life through you yeah. this is the faith of jesus christ the faith of jesus christ mm. now do people reach there i believe those who follow the lamb forever in heaven reach there 
they do not have a life apart from him because at some time all the faith in christ and every answered prayer still frustrated them because they knew it is something is still missing, <laughs> missing. <laughs> every prayer is being answered every blessing in the book you have received but you are still um, frustrated because god says you didn't still understand it the real thing is the faith of my son and paul gets it in galatians because it's a galatians 2:20 the translation gets it gets it no Hmm? I am crucified with with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Hmm. And the life which now. So you will see it is like they are two, they are one. They are one, they are two. If you look at it. Now, I am crucified with Christ. Yeah, Nevertheless, right. I live. Yet not I, but Christ mm-hmm. lives in me. Yeah, and the life which I now live <laughs> in this body, I live by the faith yeah. of the Son of God. <laughs> Meaning, basically, he is saying is that the faith in Christ to the faith of... There is no discord. Because you remember, we need to realize we are called to live by faith. Mm. We are called to live by faith. <laughs> Now, when you are living by faith, the whole thing is that, in essence, everybody has only the same faith. But the question is, did you take that faith and live your life? Or did you take that faith and live God's life? That's what he's saying. I live by the faith of of the Son of God. I lived his life. And I lived lived his life. He lived my life. And the two has become one. one. Has become one. Yeah, and it begins if you go to that one the verse in Corinthians, yeah, one spirit. Uh, Second Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter six was nine, eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, eighteen. Yeah, that one verse is 18, there. 19, eighteen, I think. Eighteen. Hmm? First Corinthians six eighteen nineteen. Yeah, yeah. Go further. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And twenty. Eh, seventeen, maybe seventeen. Just check seventeen. Okay, let me check. Yes, Pastor, is seventeen. Okay. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. Hmm. Okay, so they bring the sexuality over there because that's the only way we will understand. Hmm. Right? It's one body because we are all very body conscious. Okay. Hmm. That's why there is so much healing in Jesus' ministry because the first thing we are aware of is sickness. Yeah. Because we are body conscious. So he says, this is a sign. God touches your body. Okay? Because you feel immediately oh, what you flowed in. Okay? So <sighs> it's just a sign. Your body ultimately will perish away. But remember, the God who can heal your body wants to restore your soul. Mm. Okay? So the body is brought. The two become one body. So here he says, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Okay? So he's putting a cross. They have to become one spirit. Okay, one spirit. And Jesus explains this best in John chapter 15 at the end of his life. He talks about the wine and the branches and he talks about abiding in me. Abiding in me. He says, abiding in me. It doesn't matter. We we, we can't go through because the whole chapter you have to go through. Mm -hmm. But that is to where we have to progress. Mm -hmm. So even as we are living our lives and our prayers are being answered and we are raising up our children and family and all, deep inside there should be a frustration. This more than this. this yeah. More than this. And that there should be a frustration in your home city, in your marriages too. Holy desperation. There has to be a, not about your relationship with God, a relationship with your spouse. There should be a frustration if you are not one. 
and should never be content with the status quo because it's one picture on earth, it's another picture in the spiritual realm. Your relationship with Christ is reflected in your home. Mm. So there should be. It's not uh, that that's where that is the most important part of a relationship on earth mm. because it's you, you and your wife, God says, are one. Mm. So you cannot have uh, to see the entire breakdown, what you're seeing today, the entire breakdown did not happen in politics, it happened in the home. The minute, and of course, the enemy set it up, and the World War One came, World War Two came, and all these things happened. Women were forced to work because during the war, women, men were all at war. The women were at work making the uniforms, the buttons, the ammunition, all that. And what happened is that the woman went out. The home. It's 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 not the home. First, what happened? Your uh, Desires, your mind went in two different directions. Two different directions. Because now the wife is working. Let's let us say, wife is working in the government service or whatever, whatever job. She's a she's a teacher, and the husband is working. So now they are already the mind is functioning on two different areas. Now, if you look at the old thing, what is happening is. The man is working. But the reason he's working, he's working for the home. Mm. Working for the home. And the woman is there building up the home. So their interests are exactly the same. There's no difference. There's no difference. They're they're working working towards the same thing. But when this thing goes and you are exposed to what is happening is the home is getting divided. The issue is not... uh, you see, in, in your, it, it all starts because it, it, it's not possible for you to do that without your mind getting affected because the most important part of your soul is your mind. That's why the Bible says, surrender yourself and do not conform to the pattern of the world. Pattern. And how does the enemy bring it? He brings it through wars and pestilences and famines. He causes all this to happen. And if you have to survive through this, holding on to the fundable premise of what a life is, what a home is, that's where you need faith. You see, it is when famine came, Abraham was willing to tell his wife was not his wife, she was his sister. But that was the test. The house is getting divided now. He's saying, you know what, to save my life, we are going to go in two ways. And they literally go two ways. He's living in one tent and she's living in the harem. They go two ways. What cost it? Famine cost it. And consistently, if you look in human history, when there was war, when there was famine, when there was pestilence, what has happened? The woman is pushed out. What happens is the oneness goes. That is what you need to realize. The oneness goes. Here, if you look, if you understand First Peter 3, and if you understand what's happening in Genesis, the oneness is held together by Sarah, not Abraham. She holds it together. That's why your daughters are told, be like and do not give in to fear. She is holding the oneness. She's, and because of her faith, God is intervening and bringing her out of Pharaoh's house. She doesn't, she, that, that's where her surrender comes. He says, you know what, I will still surrender to the will of her. Now don't bring it into modern times. You have to judge them by what they knew then. I will still surrender to the will of God and my God will protect me and he protects her. So she holds the home together. She is still not Divided. Hmm. Though he is divided, she is not divided. So we need to realize that's where it happens. So God puts a picture in the family. Picture in the family. 
and uh, you you will always realize the person who is actually seeking god who is actually seeking god and understands this will be will be trying that in their marriage and if it doesn't work will be always frustrated frustrated mm. always frustrated the other person may not be but ultimately mm. a point will come people will go, the person will allow okay i will still continue my pursuit with god this is not going to work you are a you are a good husband or a good wife everything is fine but i realize that you are not interested in god the way i am interested in god and the example in that is you know is married with children and the bible says he walked with god alone okay it does not mean he did not walk with his wife mm. because if he does not walk with his wife he cannot he walk, walk with god, god. Yeah. he walked with his wife he walked with god she walked with him she didn't walk with god she walked with him but she did walk with god oh. okay so these fundamentals are hmm. there okay so I'll, I'll, nobody is being discarded or anything from heaven this is not the point the point is that ultimately your eternity is going to be divided like in uh, galatians uh, 419 or 319 okay Yeah, just uh, just give me three ninety. Yeah, my little four ninety. My little children, for whom I no no three four the same one four ninety. My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. See, the whole idea is Christ being formed in you. And in Ephesians, he will say Christ coming to his full maturity. Okay, it's full maturity, and that is where Paul is talking about the Romans. Said as many as are led by the Spirit. are called the sons of god mm. you come to that point where you are absolutely led by the spirit of god then it's christ in you so christ was led by the spirit amen was led by the spirit okay it is what would what would be say it's almost like a, a merging of two identities where you do not have an identity apart but that does not make us clones mm. that does not make us clones each one will be different it is christ living through each one of us that was god's redemption plan right from the beginning that is where in heaven sin will have no power at all absolutely no power at all we talk about the penalty power and presence but the other side of it it will have no power at all mm. it will have no power at all because god christ and the bride and his people got living through but like i said if you read the bible you will realize everyone does not that's why revelation 1 and revelation 22 when you come to 22 these are people i believe in revelation 22 if you come there and if you look you know if you come to verse 3 onwards there shall be no more curse but the throne of god and of the lamb shall be in it and his servant shall serve him they shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads okay now now these are assumptions these are not doctrines okay these are assumptions not doctrines because when you come to revelation 22 mm. okay let's read from verse 1 onwards this is the city okay he showed me a pure river of water of life clear as crystal crystal proceeding from the throne of god and of the lamb 
In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. Let's stop there. Now, let's stop there. Okay. Now, the simple question is, where are the nations? Are in earth. So, they still need healing. Because they did not reach what they could have reached in Christ. So, they need healing. <laughs> We're not talking about healing of a body. They need healing. Then, verse 3. <laughs> there is no more curse. Where? In heaven. In the city. In the city. In Jerusalem, yes. The effects of the curse is still there on many people in the nation. Because they did not come to that fullness. There is no curse, but the effects are there. In the city, those who have reached there, there is no effect of the curse at all there. Okay. They shall see his face. Why can't they see their face? Because they have become in this life pure in their heart. They have the purity of Christ. So they can see his face. Not that the others cannot see his face. Others can see their face, but they cannot perceive it. It's like understanding. All of sitting here, three, six, seven of us sitting here can read the Bible. But our understanding is not the same. Perception is different depending upon how much each one has grown in the Lord. Mm -hmm. So everyone will see God, but everyone will not see his face the way it should be seen. That's what he's talking about. There, they shall serve him, they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. So the city is different. The city is different. Okay? So that is this 144,000 the Bible talks about. Now it's a real number. They'll talk about it is the Jews, but... It can't be the 12 tribes mm. because what do they have to do with the lamb? The lamb has got to do with us. The bride. Mm-hmm. With the bride. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you look at it. This is where the hunger and thirst of righteousness comes. You need to understand. In the old covenant, when you hungered and thirst for righteousness, it happened. Let us say, somebody stole your money. And you are upset because some an unrighteous thing took place. You went to the police. You complained. The police took up the case. They investigated. They caught the fellow. And the fellow was taken to court. If it, if it could not be settled in the police, taken to the court. And finally, the court looks at the evidence and rules in your favor. And what happens is they say, let him, this fellow go to jail. But also, this money has to be recovered from him. With the period of interest and given it, now you have satisfaction because righteousness has come. Mm. Right? Yes. And usually for Christians also, this is the sense of righteousness. But when Paul is talking about it, it is not that. It is the life of Christ. That is where your right, your hunger for righteousness is satisfied. Wow. His life. I want his life. <laughs> and that's a life that satisfies. So you need to realize the problem with uh, the the heretical teaching of faith like Kenneth Copeland and all that, they make faith into power. Mm. Though faith produces power, faith in the Bible, in the New Covenant, is not power. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. Mm. What does faith do? The real faith do? It takes you and puts in you in Christ and Christ in you. 
That's what faith does. Mm. So you can look at faith as power because yes, by faith they did, they did, they did, they did, they did, they did. Okay, they raised this. That's why I said if you come to Hebrews chapter eleven and verse thirty-five, thirty-five onwards, there is a difference. Women received their dead raised to life again. Wow, that is faith. Mm-hmm. That is faith. Okay, the power of God. They believed the power of God came. Now, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. Why? It's also called faith. Why? It's a relationship. They realize, I can get deliverance here, but if I do, it will affect my relationship with my, with Christ. There will be inside a separation of Christ and me. And I will not do that. I would rather be tortured. I won't accept. I'll look for a better resurrection with him. I will not. Now, this is also faith. But this faith is the faith of Christ. It's based on a relationship. For the other one, it is not just based on a relationship. It is based on understanding the power of God and you have faith and you believe and you got your resurrection back. You were delivered out of it. But the second case... They are offering you deliverance. The price you have to pay is your relationship. And you say, no, I will not. I'll go to jail. Not at that price. That's the price. We are one. Because if I receive this this thing, I will be free. But there will be a break in that relationship. That I will not accept. Not at that Mm. price. Not at that cost. Will the Lord forgive you? Of course. He will forgive you. Because he knows your tolerance level, beaten up, all this thing. Okay, he understands. Lord, have mercy, have mercy. But it will cause something to your soul. So that's what the Bible is talking about. When you are hungering and thirsting for righteousness, you need to realize everything in the Bible, in the new covenant, is in Christ. Mm. In Christ. But you can have a lot of things apart from Christ too. Without having a relationship. So that's why you see all the miracles of Jesus Christ over there. They heard about Christ and they came and touched him. They got healed. Did they have a relationship with him? No. No. They did not have a relationship with him. Relationship with him. So you will see in in Hebrews uh, 11.35, you will see Paul's relationship with Christ. He's lying in prison. And you just look at the people who are lying outside. And you look at them. And you look at him, he is one with Christ. And he has peace, he has joy, he's content, and he's encouraging them outside. And what is what is the difference between his faith and the faith of the people outside? They have faith in Christ. He has the faith of Christ. Mm-hmm. He has the faith of Christ. And he says the Lord is near. The Lord is near. Okay. And to that is what God is calling calling us mm-hmm. to calling us. It's not that we are detached from the world. No, he's very much involved in the world. Very much. But he's, this thing is always this. It is, I want your will to be done. Not my will. Mm. My will. My will would be to get out of this prison. <laughs> okay. But that is not the whole point. The whole point is, what, what do you want me to live through? And Christ is probably telling him, I want you to stay in prison. Because when I stay in prison, I would be able to write through you better, mm. so that people will understand this experience and what he's writing is real. Amen. Absolutely. Right? This is not theology. This is life. Life. <laughs> this is life. So when he's, because that's why I said some of the, each of his, Paul's letters, Korean letters, Pauline epistles are different. 
Each is a different experience. Philippians is a very powerful letter because it's written from prison. Hmm. Uh, Ephesians is very powerful because he's having this experience of what it is to to be in Christ, to be raised up with Christ, and then how to live that life on earth. So Galatians is basically written to Hebrew believers and saying, don't go back there. It is worth nothing. Be very, very careful. Okay, This is the life. Mm. So each letter is different. Each letter is different. So you have to see how this, this, like I said, there are two people in the new covenant. If you take the entire new covenant, it's a history of two people. The history of Jesus and the history of Jesus through Paul. Mm. <laughs> That's why we don't have the history of the others. Mm. We don't have history of the others. God is saying, this is my son. This is the life you need to live. And this is my servant. He imitated Christ. Yes. So you cannot say it is not possible because one man did it. Yeah. <laughs> so I have put these two histories over there. And this is the paradigm for all of us. Yeah, all of us. And the church is built on the the teachings and the life actually of these two people. Though Paul's life does not bring me salvation, but his life brings me sanctification. Yes. Salvation is from Christ. But when we look at Paul, you realize this life can. I mean, you look at the persecuted church for 2,000 years. Where did they get the encouragement from? Paul. (laughs) Because only only his life is recorded there. We don't know anything about anybody except by the time we come to Revelation, we have a little of John. But history-wise, whose life is reflected everywhere? It's Paul's life. John's, we have only one little snippet in Revelation chapter 1. Two verses are there. Your brother in suffering. <laughs> one line, only we have a, like of, of John. Peter, what do you know? He was in prison, he was sleeping, angel came, woke him up and took him out. Beyond that, we don't know anything. We have church history, but we don't know anything about Peter. James was executed. Stephen was killed. Beginning itself, but Paul's life is played out through the epistles, and what you see is Christ living through him. That's what he says in First Timothy. Says, "My life is a pattern for those who will believe after me." Mm. Literally, that's a statement that he makes. Literally, it's a, no? a, a, and God used him. Okay, it is. Mm. You have to understand the sovereignty of God. Mm. He's always in control. Mm-hmm. So, if God was in control and He had twelve apostles, and I believe the twelfth one was Paul, Paul. and not the other one, because. They were not supposed to. How can you have the old new covenant drawing lots and all that? What yeah. were they thinking? They were only asked to wait. They were not asked to choose. Mm. It was none of their business. And uh, Paul is the twelfth one among. There could be other apostles in the sense of sent out ones, but there can be only twelve because you have, uh, like biblical you have order. the biblical order of twelve. Mm. So Paul was the twelfth one. Yep. And God chose him. Okay, but like in his sovereignty, God is all sovereign. If God wanted to write through all the apostles, he could have written. And why didn't he write? Mm -hmm. The only answer is that he is trying to portray the life of Jesus Christ. And that has to become doctrine. And it was best through Paul. Peter writes too, and by the time he writes Second Peter, he's ready, he's out, mm-hmm. almost here to go. Yes, exactly. <laughs> High end of his life. And he endorses Paul, and he, and he endorses Paul, Paul, and, and he goes. <laughs> so, yeah. it's yeah. Uh, it's uh, and First Corinthians chapter one verse thirty two says that Christ has become for us righteousness, mm-hmm. and therefore, if we are hungering for righteousness, you are hungering for Christ. Everything is that's what that's that. It's a different experience altogether. Me out, though I am in, 
positionally mm. but functionally i am outside christ yes yes yes, yes. are you getting it yes. positionally we are all in christ, christ. but mm. the way we live functionally we are outside mm. christ mm. and paul is different he's positionally in christ functionally, functionally he's in christ. christ yeah true absolutely functionally he's in christ our struggle is that from mm. functionally from becoming us we have to become in christ mm. allow that and that's a daily surrender offer yourself daily surrender and if your mind is being renewed and renewed 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 mm-hmm. actually you know what happens is uh, you actually learn to think like christ mm. amen act christ type love like christ mm. all these letters are from paul amen amen all these letters are from paul and i think that was god's whole idea that i'm just going to send my son he will go he will teach he will this but much won't be recorded yes his teachings won't be recorded because <laughs> it has to be proved to man that man can live that life on mm. earth by faith yeah. the faith of my son and paul becomes the paradigm example and i do believe after that there are many people who got it lived it because we do not know them that does not mean they did not, not live their life yes. but canon was already set yeah. so we did not have to like we we'll talk about sadhu sundar singh and all they lived that life they had no life apart from christ and they were also celibates like paul so yeah. they once they understood they didn't want to get disturbed. they didn't want to get into conflict at all mm-hmm. they didn't want to get a conflict at all because they knew that it would be a much more of a struggle because the same christ demands all this from you towards your spouse mm-hmm. so it's a huge conflict so they all decided many of them decided you know what we'll just look for Christ alone they chose now don't it's a gift okay don't <laughs> immediately sit there and decide yeah. hmm? we, we, bro we are already taken okay so don't <laughs> okay. So <laughs> it's now, not for okay. us <laughs> that is not a doctrine paul will say there are false doctrines will forbid to exactly, marry also yeah. so no it's not forbidding marriage or not because he makes it very clear he says that if, if a man gets married he has to please his wife mm. where did it come from scripture exactly but the man or the woman who's unmarried pleases the lord mm-hmm. she or he is only thinking about pleasing god in 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 this context of what we are talking about mm-hmm. so it is easier it is easier Amen. but these things you have to know earlier yes. i do believe that's why god met him on the road to damascus as even when he was under the law and uh, he was really zealous for god all his zealous was misplaced zealous for god mm-hmm. like we had who was it doni right cricket for indians to understand doni actually if one of them i don't know he was a footballer but at one point he had to make a decision whether he going for football or cricket mm, yeah and at that point he decided and went into cricket and he became one of the greatest cricketers ever so paul was like that he was zealous for football mm-hmm. and then he met christ and he went into cricket and he became equally good in that mm-hmm. okay he he was zealous the problem it is that uh, lot of people are not zealous <laughs> for god at all see if you're not zealous for god at all how can god touch you? i mean he, that's his that's mm-hmm. his that's his own testimony he says concerning zeal persecuting the church <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is why did he persecute the church as a real religious jew he thought these guys see he's not persecuting the gentiles he's not interested in the gentiles at all okay because he's a very zealous jew and he looks at the jews who left and became christians and he's going by the law and says these people have to be killed the heretics they have to be killed they have turned against yahweh and god looks at him and says you know what 
This guy is really jealous for me. He, he's the phineas of the old New Testament. Absolutely. Okay, he's the phineas of the Old Testament. Okay, but the problem is here. He's on the wrong because these people are genuine of God. So once he realizes that, he is on fire for Jesus. Mm. Fire for Jesus. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's how it is. Get this difference, okay, of faith in Christ. That's all we begin, and positionally we are all in Christ. Functionally is the question. <laughs> who is living? Is the question. Simple question. Who is living? Okay. I think you should also take the second question. Uh, this question number nine, which is very, very closely related to this. Then maybe you can uh, maybe call, come, Just adding to it, if you look at the two comings of Elijah, two comings of Elijah in before Jesus' first coming and second coming. The prophecy is connected with that. Have you noticed both the prophecies in Malachi and in Luke is the same? He will turn the hearts, hearts of, of the, the fathers. He doesn't say the mothers. Mm. See, God will never change his order. Why he says that is because you see the identity of the woman should be completely merged with the man. They cannot have two different identities. Mm. So the honest is on this father to be merged with Christ. See, like I said, the, the fault always lies with the man. Mm. Because it doesn't matter who went wrong. Mm. God doesn't come and ask you, what did you do? Mm. He comes and asks, Adam, where are you? What did you do? Because he says, you are the one I put in charge. So the thing is, the onus is on the man as the head to be merged with Christ. Yeah. And the woman understands that and she merges her identity with him. And mm. God says, I will turn the hearts of the children towards the fathers. Mm. And that is why we have this enormous demonic attack on the fatherhood and the broken homes yes. and the rise of feminism, LGBTQ, all that happening. Is this the, all this is against the headship of man. Everything about God's order. Mm. And of course, much of it fault or lies also on men. Man. Yep. Very abusive. You see, we had a question. <laughs> we have a question there. It was yeah. the second question or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want to take it? Yeah. Okay. 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 I'll, I'll, we'll go I'll, over. I'll, There's I'll, a very I'll, funny question. Um, well, question number four. Mm. It says, uh, a woman said, my husband thinks there are only two perfect people in the world, God and himself. <laughs> Why do men find pleasure in not saying I'm sorry or apologize? Was it, what is the role of repentance in our day-to-day relationships? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a very funny thing, okay? See, this is, we need to understand, okay? This is, this is all what happens, this, everything happens, this happens from right from the garden when the fall takes place. Mm-hmm. Takes place, the fall takes place, okay? If you realize it, it, it is inbred. It takes right from over there. If you look at the first man and woman, did not apologize. They did not apologize to God. God came there. There's no apology from either one of them. And there is something that is set in them. It's a battle, what we call the battle of the sexes, sexes yeah. began from there over there. Yeah. Okay? And this entire concept about uh, headship, mm-hmm. headship, Okay, the entire concept about headship. <laughs> and uh, at one level it is true. The man is the head. But the whole problem here is when the head goes wrong, what does he do? What does he do? Okay, when the head goes wrong, what does he do? 
at any level what does he do okay what does he do now there are two things connected with this let us say the head did something wrong let's say the man did something wrong the first thing he has to do is put it right put it right okay put it right now the apology is basically got to do with feelings <clears throat> yeah you can say sorry and never put it right mm mm-hmm. put it right you can put it right and never say sorry, sorry. but ideally it should be both, both. <laughs> ideally it should be both okay ideally it should be both okay let's put in terms of of uh, any setup in the system okay let's say in the army a platoon is going and a captain is in charge he gives an order and there is a charge there were 20 people in the platoon or 50 people in the platoon and they win or they lose or what happened happens 20 of them are wounded one died but the mistake was from his Okay. So now he he has to turn around and he's also hurting. He's also hurting. Okay. Now it's not appropriating blame. He takes the blame. He apologizes to the soldiers. Okay. And he is now certain things you cannot put it right because Absolutely. the event is already over. But what he's doing is much more conscious about his training, much more the things so that the next time such a situation comes, I should not make a mistake. Mm. okay so you need to realize taking down it into the family when you when you when you let us say there are two things where is many things but let us say two things one it can be got to do with words another thing it can be do with actions mm-hmm. okay some men can be absolutely right with words but they're terrible in their actions because they make stupid mistakes mm. and they bring a lot of grief to their family but words wise they're very kind very nice very gentle and all but the actions they take can bring grief and sorrow to the family yeah. so they have to correct their actions okay some of others they're absolutely right in their actions <laughs> their words are terrible <laughs> I'm telling you real real okay the actions are they are very clear they know how to do these things and all but when they talk they are absolutely rude and uh, that's why the bible says love with your wives with yeah, understanding. understanding giving them due honor mm. due honor okay so this is this is where it comes this is where it comes and uh, how do you handle it then again you need to understand that we have taught it many times uh men being the head okay now let us let us say i mean i mean this is this is a reality this is a reality okay this is a reality there was only one perfect man his name was jesus so he never had to apologize okay but he prayed for that father forgive them they don't know what they are doing okay we need to understand this here is that's why they find it difficult to apologize difficult to apologize on the other hand 
no, I'm not, I'm, I'm, it's very difficult for me to talk about this because I'm a man. So very difficult for a woman to accept what a man is saying because you see, after all, you are also another man. But let me ask you. <laughs> <laughs> Conflict of interest. <laughs> I cannot recuse myself and we have no option because all people who are sitting here are also men. But my simple question is that you see, uh, you go to, let's say you are this woman, you are upset with your husband because he did something wrong, he said something, he never apologized. And then you go to office. Your boss is a man. Mm. Okay? And he's mad, he shouts at you. And he never apologizes. But you're, nothing changes. You're still very polite, very respectful. Okay? But when it comes to husband? <laughs> become, I mean, of course, I understand. You, this is because the, it, you are not one with your boss. You're one with your husband. So your, your expect, expectations are different. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I'll tell you because these are all connected because people will always ask, which is better, arranged marriage or a love marriage? I always say arranged marriage. The reason is, in love marriages, expectations are very high and sometimes are not real. Are real. Because the simple question is, when you're talking about your love marriage, where did your understanding of love come from? Mm. Hollywood, Bollywood, Barbara Cartland, Milson Boone, where did you get it from? (laughs) Okay, so your expectations are probably sometimes very unrealistic. Mm. So your disappointments... Though what you feel is real, they are not true. Mm. So in arranged marriages, expectations are not so high. Mm. Are not so high. Because you don't know the person to expect anything from that. You have a general idea of marriage. Okay, Like Rebecca is coming to ISO. She doesn't know him from a hole in the wall. She has never seen him. All that journey she's listening to Eliezer talk, asking what kind of... But she has never met him. Mm. Never met him. She, has, she doesn't know him at all. So if you look at it, Rebecca's marriage with Isaac, there's a lot of peace until that drift between the children and the parents come in. It's a lot of peace. But Jacob's marriage with Rachel is always problematic. <laughs> Two paradigms in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> one is arranged marriage, literally arranged marriage. The other is a love marriage. That's a love marriage. Okay. So again, you can see, I'm saying, in an arranged marriage, if the husband doesn't apologize, there is not so much upset. The, the wife is not, not so much upset. It's not upset because that expectation is not there because if you in arranged marriage, the girl who agrees for an arranged marriage has been, I don't want to use the word groom because it's a terrible word today because they are grooming the children in the US for transgender ideology and all. But the child has, the girl has been groomed to be a wife, to submit and to be a mother. That's what she has been trained her entire life. life. Mm-hmm. That was the way it was. Mm-hmm. So when her husband is upset, she's not getting upset. Mm-hmm. But in a love marriage, that's not the way. From the beginning of the relationship, I called, you didn't pick my call. I'm so upset with you. It is upset, 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 upset. Mm-hmm. He is upset, she is upset. They're always upset. Then they get married and they're upset, upset, upset. Because you need to realize everything has got to do with thinking. Mm-hmm. Everything has got to do with thinking. Okay. Because the thing is that I'm not justifying men or women over here. The whole question is a question of Christian maturity. Mm. 
we sin against god all the time we don't apologize and yet his mercies are new every morning that's a christian maturity the christian maturity yeah. so the first definition of love in the bible is love suffers long and yet is kind so whoever has understood the faith of christ mm. and the love of christ mm. whether it is the man or the woman is willing to suffer long and he wow. still is kind mm-hmm. kindness does not go still is kind mm. okay because what are you giving you are giving the other person space to grow mm. without pushing it mm. without pushing it you have to be very careful about it mm. okay because the problem is you have to very this is the subtlety of the devil because you will you will uh, become then self righteous oh my husband is like that i don't never react i am still kind i always this thing you know but what has happened is now you are becoming self righteous this is the subtlety of this is what we were talking about the filthiness of the spirit mm-hmm. the the filthiness of it's the pride. spirit is basically pride because now you, you are actually you suffer long and you are very kind and you know you are proud about it mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this is what the paul is talking about we are very much aware of the wiles of the devil <laughs> somebody said he got the he got the award for the best he got uh, yeah. a placard for the most humble man on the board and he wore it he wore it that's so we have to be very very also you need to understand you know that's what the like the man has to live with his wife with understanding the woman also has to live with uh, with the man with understanding okay mm. men do like i still remember this was the i mean certain things you know even as you're growing in the lord and ministering this happened in the year 1995 96 or something okay i was traveling in the train traveling in the I was traveling in the train the thing was that uh the window seat was mine i always those days i always want a window seat was mine so when i entered into my compartment a lady was sitting at my window seat and her husband was sitting at the opposite so i got in and uh, i said madam that's my seat so she moved and i sat over there and her husband was very upset okay so he spoke in malayalam without realizing that i am a malayali so he told her in malayalam this is exactly translation what he said you know Didn't I tell you not to move from there whoever comes now go sit in the toilet <laughs> This is what he said Okay so he didn't understand that I understood and this woman's face fell okay I mean public now you can see this thing now see like fell all went red and all this thing the husband saying that in this compartment okay And then of course she went and sat next to him now he's looking out of the window like this thing and all a little later he becomes normal and he does like this mm. Mm. You know what he's saying? He's saying I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. That's it. I'm sorry. Okay. Can she was good. Some women will understand language and shake behind. I want a written apology, not a rise. I will frame it There and keep it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So man has to learn to live with his wife with understanding. A woman has to love with a husband with understanding to understand you know because men say men say or men should say okay men should say sorry and men say in different ways okay and when they say sorry if it is not the way you wanted it 
receive it full whole heart okay so some men will uh, stop and uh, buy something and come which he never rarely does i mean he may not bring you flowers he may bring you vegetables okay but that is his way of saying sorry i mean you have read milson bone he brought a bunch of flowers and he is a indian guy he doesn't know about flowers but he never gets vegetables for you and you realize every week every week she keeps on saying on the way bye bye you never remember and you say you never remember today because you were mad at her in the morning said things which you shouldn't have said now you are feeling very sorry you remember you stop you buy all the vegetables which she does not want all so you bring and bring it to her it is his way of saying sorry mm. Mm. men do things in different different ways mm-hmm. in different ways but that is why each one has to know the other person that is the whole idea of knowing <laughs> No way. Turn to turn to Psalm 57. Turn to Psalm 57. Turn to Psalm 50. Not so, not 57. Psalm 51. Verse 16 and 17. For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. You need to understand this. For everything that you do wrong in the old covenant, what was ordained was sacrifices. Mm. But this is a man who knows God. You don't want that. Mm-hmm. If you want that, I would give it to you. I am walking with you with understanding of who you are. What you want is a broken and a contrite. That's why every time he said, "I have sinned," God said, "Is removed," because he looked into his heart. Mm. It's broken. Okay, in the same way, we God says, love with each other with understanding. Mm. When a husband is saying this, he's got a contrite heart. Receive it, or he brings something because no, receive it, or the wife is sorry, and she is also a little proud. But women usually will say sorry faster because it's always easier. I mean, that's why it is. husband's love your wife has christ is not told fast mm. it is told to the wife submit your husband in all things as unto the lord because honestly it comes more naturally for them than to us because simply by the order of creation mm. see there are certain our genetic makeups cannot be changed because mm. god made adam he made eve out of adam adam was made first he was made later so that is there in your setup yeah in your setup yep. it doesn't matter how much feminist a woman is and all these things come this thing are all the same but when she falls in love and gets married suddenly she says you realize that there is automatically a submission that comes into a marriage though she was a firebrand in the world once mm. when she gets married and it's really a love marriage she loves and she wants to marry this man and she marries this man suddenly submission come. where did it come from Well, the father said, "You are a tomboy. You will never get married. How will you ever? If you get married, how will you ever survive? You are acting like a man. You talk like a man." But when she gets married, what happened to her? How did it happen? Mm-hmm. It's because there is something that is inbuilt, mm. inbuilt in her. Okay, so there is something that is inbuilt in man also. Headship is inbuilt in man, inbuilt in man. And because he is a head, he gets it. His ego finds it difficult to say, "I am wrong." because if you, he's he, he has no issues in saying sorry let me tell you he has no issues in saying sorry but saying he okay. has more issues by admitting his wrong wrong yep that is, that is his issue mm-hmm. that i was wrong because he knows decision making is given to him 
So if he says, if he says, I am sorry, he is saying, I am wrong. An immediate response is, didn't I tell you you were wrong? Mm. Okay. So you need to realize it is God who comes and tells Abraham, you are wrong. Listen to what Sarah is saying. So the ideal thing for a woman to do is understanding headship. What a woman, a believing, godly woman should do is that. When your husband is wrong, shut your mouth, go to God. Go to God and say, Lord, I can tell it. I mean, if if you understand your husband, if you tell, he'll be upset or offended. Then the simple thing to do is that go to God and say, Lord, I know he's wrong. You know he's wrong. I'm not going to tell him. You tell him. If Rebecca had done that, Mm. the history of Israel would have been different. Mm. She looked at her and said, Lord, Mm. when I came to you and the children were pregnant, what did you tell me? The elder shall serve the younger. This man. (laughs) Isaac, Mm -hmm. my husband, my head, is going to make a wrong decision. I know the decision is wrong because I heard it very clearly from you. Now, Lord, I don't want to go tell him and confront him. That's not my position. He may not receive it because he's very much yoked with this man. So, Lord, would you intervene? That is what First Peter chapter 3, 1 is talking about. We are talking about real issues because every family, these are issues. The simple thing is that, okay, wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands that even if some do not obey the word, what does it mean? He's wrong. He's wrong. His decisions are wrong. And he won't even apologize about it. He's wrong. He thinks he's perfect. But he's totally imperfect mm-hmm. because he's not obeying the word. Meaning his decisions, practical applications, his decisions are not according to God's will or God's ways or God's methods. He does not obey the word. Mm-hmm. That they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Mm-hmm. Without a word. That they observe your chaste conduct accompanied yeah, by fear. fear. By fear. Okay, they they see they're very reverential in your behavior. The way you would you would you see, I'm telling you. I mean, I know it is difficult to bring examples from outside the home into the home, but there are pictures. You see, like I said, the earlier 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 uh, example I gave you, the captain gives the order to charge, and the soldier. One soldier or ten soldiers know the order is wrong, but they still charge. That's it. Still charge. Still charge. Why? Because they know that's how it works. That's how it works. And then after the damage is all done, when they sit together over there, discuss, that is when it is discussed. Sometimes it is not reported to the headquarters at all. Mm. So many mistakes are never reported to the headquarters mm. at all. But headquarters come, they will look and say, this is why you went wrong. Mm. Okay. You have to realize in military history, where a subordinate officer was right and the superior officer was wrong, mm. and the subordinate officer took control and changed the decision, he was caught martial, yep. though he was right. Because mm. we cannot have that happen in the army. Cannot harm. So if you look at it, the record of Isaac and Rebecca, she's caught martial. You don't hear about Rebecca after that, though she was right. Yeah. Her whole idea was right. So Jacob, who should be blessed? God did not accept it. So these pictures are there. 
But the simple thing, we don't have to go over there. If they love one another, fear one another, talk to one another, and each one knows their position. I am the head. I need to be under Christ. I need to hear from God very clearly. And I need to make these decisions. And when I'm making my decisions, I talk to my wife. And I tell this is the decision I'm going to take. And she also has grown in faith and is a praying wife and said, yes, that's a decision I stand with you. And I too believe that's exactly what God wants her to. They can walk in unity. They can walk in unity. But coming back to that, uh, men need to apologize. Okay, men need to apologize. But men apologize in different ways. But even if he does not apologize, it should not change your behavior. Mm. does not change your behavior. That is the thing which I have to tell to the sisters. daughter of God, the sisters. Mm. If you, because how do I say? It's First Peter chapter 3. Okay, his decision is wrong. He doesn't take responsibility. Yeah, 3. When they observe your chase conduct accompanied by fear and verse 3. Go further down. Do not let it, yeah, I leave that, okay? Sorry, sorry. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit which is of very precious in the sight of God. And for in this manner, in former times, the holy women, no, these are not ordinary women, yeah. these are the women who are called holy, who trusted in God also, adorned themselves with what? With a meek and a gentle spirit, being submissive to their own husbands as only one example is given. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him what? Lord. What did this mean? She accepted his decision. I said, say you are my sister. Yes, Lord. Twice, not once, twice. I do believe he told her. The Lord has spoken me. Take Isaac and offer him as a sacrifice. She said, the Lord has spoken it to you. That's it. That's it. I stand by it. Yes, Lord. All right. Okay. First two cases, the Lord did not speak. Mm -hmm. The third case, the Lord spoke. Mm -hmm. But if you look at her, Sarah, her behavior is the same through it all. Mm -hmm. She's not a rebellious wife. That's why, see, these are not accidents in the mm -hmm. Bible because you have Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebecca, Jacob and Rachel. All these women are there. But God's scripture goes on. And Moses and Zipporah. Different people are there. But it goes all Love the way to Sarah and picks her and says, she's the model for it. Mm. She's the model for it. Okay. So the thing is that, now, this is what I'm talking about. This is not a faith in Christ. The faith of. Mm. This is the faith of Christ. Mm. Yeah. Mm. This is the faith of Christ. Not you in Christ. This is Christ not in faith you. in Christ. <laughs> this is the faith of mm, Christ. Mm. So that is where we have. But we cannot change it. Okay. I mean, we cannot lower the standard because the standard is Christ. That is why we cannot lower the standard. Okay. Mm. But there is a lot of room mm. for well, each one to grow. to grow. Each one to grow. So yeah. it's always uh, give and take like mm. we learn forgive one another yeah. okay forgive forgiving one another the bible says as god has forgiven us as in, in christ, christ. Mm -hmm. okay so uh, marriage is built on a lot of forgiveness mm -hmm. it's and not keeping a record of wrongs mm -hmm. and i would say love does not keep a record of wrongs you have to forget it 
I can't forget it. And even if there is a record, when the record is brought out, it is not to condemn. Mm. It is to say that I told you last time, you are, you are getting the same results. Mm. Same results. Because your methodology hasn't changed. Now, if your teacher says that in your lab, you are not upset with him. With him. Your boss says in your office, you are not upset with him. So when your husband says it, or your wife says it, you should not be upset. Mm. You should not be upset. Okay? Last time also told you, before also I told you, you are doing the same things. Mm. And you are doing the same thing and expecting different results. Mm. You cannot get different results. Because the result will be always the same because the way you are doing it is still the same. Mm. But the way you say it, and the other person receive it should not receive it as condemnation. Because mm. these are all, like, this are all happens, no? Because the, the, the usual response will be, will be that you never appreciate me, no? But you see, you need to be very, very, very clear. Because if we react that way, <coughs> the whole issue is not your husband. The whole issue is God will not be able to talk to you. Mm. God will not be able to. So meekness is not uh, designated to women. Mm -hmm. It is designated to everyone. Mm -hmm. Okay, meekness is the. It's, that's where you begin with. Mm -hmm. Begin with. Learn of me. I am meek and lowly. Mm -hmm. Learn of me. I am meek and lowly. No. So otherwise, what happens is, if the spirit is not meek, what comes in is offense. Mm -hmm. And a brother. Offended. Or a sister, mm. or a wife, or a husband, offended. Very difficult to win. Very difficult. I mean, it's. I mean, the the, the problem is, it's like a Bang. castle. They they Bang. shut themselves. It's, it's very open. difficult to win over. Mm. And if you actually talk to them, you will realize the issue is not anything that's happening today or yesterday. Issue has been happening many many years ago, and they they shut themselves because they are offended. And that's why God is trying to protect us by saying, meek, be meek and lowly. Mm -hmm. Meek and lowly. Okay, and husbands also, you know, if you go to that same chapter, okay, yeah, who, now seven. come to verse 7. Awesome. Now speaking to the husbands. Okay, bear, okay, okay seven. First Peter Same three, seven. seven. Same seven. First Peter three, seven. Yeah. <laughs> husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding. <laughs> Yeah. Giving honor to the wife. Now here he is bringing a different gamut of Come relationship. Not about love. It's about honor. How? As to a weaker vessel. It's a weaker vessel. A weaker vessel. No. He says, understand that. That she is weaker than you usually because doesn't matter whatever happens. She reacts emotionally. She reacts. You will never fully understand. A man will never fully understand a woman because it's not possible for him to understand a woman because he does not know what she goes through. Mm. And it starts when a girl starts a puberty. And for years and years and years, she goes through that cycle every month. Her she goes through, and we don't know what they go through. We have no clue. Mm. And then when she crosses that, she goes into another, which goes for ten, fifteen years, which mm. is which is called menopause. Mm. They go through all kind of things. So they have mood swings and they have pregnancy. They go through another thing. The post-pregnancy, they go through something. They go through all kinds of things through it. And one of the reasons why God does not allow women in leadership is because they go through all this. <coughs> go through all this. 
That is one of the reasons, because the thing is that when you are in that position, in a position of leadership, and you are going through a very bad phase, and you have to take crucial decisions. Mm-hmm. So you, you need to realize that you cannot have equality of sexes. You can only have equity. Mm-hmm. You cannot have equality of sexes, because man and woman are not equal. Mm-hmm. They're equal as heirs in Christ Jesus. Yeah. There, yes, they will have a new body, everything. But they are not equal. They're not equal because their bodies are not equal. And even the souls also. Even, even if the soul, soul is similar, the body will have an effect on mm, the soul. soul yeah. That is the problem. Mm. The body will have an effect on the soul. Mm. Even if a woman's soul, mind is smarter than a man, there will be periods of her days or weeks or months where her body will affect her soul. Her mind will not be able to function like a man's. But a man doesn't go through that. So we need to understand, therefore God is telling to the man, deal with her differently. Don't deal. See, like I keep saying, all the rules in the workplaces have been changed because a woman came into a man's work field. Mm. So all the rules are basically to protect mm. her from the man. But when men were working, and it was only men who were working, what rules were there? You only needed rules to see the officers at the top or the boss did not abuse the ones at the bottom. But there were no rules needed. No rules. But everything had to be changed. Okay, now we have to accept that is the reality of the world. But the problem is you cannot bring that reality into the church. That is why the Bible says, I do not allow woman headship in the church. Mm. So the Christian home and the Christian church is different. It's different. And I don't care how many big time women pastors and all that. The Bible does not allow it. There is not a single woman elder. Let the elder be yeah. the husband no, of one. everywhere, husband of, husband of, husband. Because everything is given to the man. Mm. Why? Because these are not like a presidency decision. These are spiritual, eternal decisions you are taking. Mm. Because this is where we need to understand. There. So, so to the men he is asking us, treat them with honor. Giving as a weaker vessel. But when it comes to heirs, you are heirs together. In eternity, this is not going to affect. Hmm. In eternity, like at the simple level, eternal, eternity, man will be judged how he loved his wife. The woman will be judged how she submitted to her husband. That's it. Hmm. When it comes to this relationship. That's how they will be judged. That's how they are going to be judged. How did you love your wife? The yardstick is Christ. Christ Jesus loved his wife and gave his life for it. And the woman, Christ is the yardstick. Christ submitted to the Father in all things. Both Christ is the standard. The standard of submission is Christ. The standard of love is Christ. That's how you will be judged. So all these things we have to take it that way because you know what? That's the thing. If you don't see, go to Hebrews uh, chapter 12 verse 2. How you handle this. Looking unto Jesus. For anything, look unto Jesus. He is our paradigm. He is our, what if you want to say, prototype. He is the one we have to admit. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He endured the cross. Why? Because there was a joy set before him. Hmm. Okay? There is shame. There is cross. There is cross. Cross is pain. And there is shame. Why did he endure the cross and the shame? Because on the other side, something was set for him, the joy. So when a man is dealing with his wife, 
when he has to apologize to her, there is cross because his ego is hurt and there is shame. I have to say sorry to my wife. But look at the joy that is set before you in eternity, what you will receive from Christ. Mm. The woman, when she has to submit to her husband in all things as unto the Lord, there is cross and there is shame. Cross is suffering, shame is, why should I? Because he is B.A. pass, I have a PhD. Because many women are highly educated today and many women bring more money than the man. That is irrelevant in the house. Mm. So there is a cross because your ego is suffering and there is shame. Shame. Bible says, look at the joy that is set before you. What is the joy set before you? Mm. You will reign with my son. You will inherit with my son. That is the joy. You can live in my presence forever, ever. See my face and serve me. So there is a joy that is set before us. Mm. If you don't see that, we will fight this. <laughs> we will fight this. How did Jesus fight his the pressure he's facing every day in the house he facing? He's looking to something beyond. Right. Now if you go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 3, this is again. See, this is consistent in scripture. If then you were raised with Christ, That's seek right. those things which are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. If you died, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Mm. This is the life we are called to live. See, unless you understand theory, you cannot have practical. There is no college where practical comes first. They teach you theory. Theory. After theory comes practical. So he is saying these things. So in a simple Christian home, in day-to-day life, day-to-day life, you know, how do you how do you live it out? How do you live it out? You live it by looking unto Christ. How did Christ love? How did Christ love the church? How did he love the church? Mm-hmm. The, he his ultimate, his entire life, and then finally, okay, finally upon the cross. Now if you're looking at him, he's living a blameless life. For whose sake? The church is and his entire entire prayer <laughs> life is that, Lord, let me not sin against. Wow. Yeah. Why? But why is he saying that? For her sake. He yeah. has to live a perfect life for her oh, sake. Sorry. If a man were to understand that, you know what? I need to be right before God constantly, not only for my, my sake, sake, for the sake of my wife and my children. Mm. Lord, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, Lord. You know what? That is the first way he loves his wife. Because the word with which he is washing her is the word with which he has been washed himself. Absolutely. Mm. Okay. So he is being asked to love his wife. Mm. Okay. So you are setting your mind on things. How did Christ love his church? The woman looks up and looks and says, you know what? Submission is so difficult to this man. And the question is, how did Christ submit? How did Christ submit? And the thing, yes, he is submitting to his father, which is true. Oh, it is easy to submit to God. No. He's submitting to his father. But everything his father is asking to submit to is for man. Mm. Everything that he is doing is for man. Mm. He says, Dad, can you take this cup away? The dad says, No. Mm. You're going to get beaten. You're okay, going to be sir. stripped. You're going to hang on the cross. Dad, foxes have holes, birds have nests, Lord. That's okay. Go sleep in the garden. 
Now you need to realize, yes, he's submitting to the will of his father, but everything that he's doing, he's doing it for man. So the woman is said, that is how you submit unto God, but for your husband. If you read that, it's very clear. Submit your husband in all things. As, as unto, unto the Lord. As unto God. Okay. That's how Jesus lived. Mm. That is how Jesus lived. So both the loving part and the submitting part are both in Christ. <laughs> this is the life of Christ. Christ. This is the faith of Christ. From the faith in Christ, mm. we have to move to the faith of Christ where faith has become our lifestyle. <laughs> we are still living by sight and using faith only when there is trouble. Trouble which we cannot handle anymore, money doesn't handle, influence doesn't handle, we don't have the power to handle, then we bring faith in. Mm -hmm. So we are still not living by faith. Mm. You're not living by faith. When you're living by faith, it is the faith of God. It's the faith of Christ. Amen. And then suddenly everything starts falling into place. We realize, you know, that's why a simple thing, a simple thing we tell people is that the simple thing to always ask is two things. One, when you read the Bible, look for Christ. Don't look for anything else. Mm. Look for Christ. That's the the simplest and the easiest way. If you turn the First Corinthians one thirty. Mm. But of him you are in Christ. Mm -hmm. Of him you are in Christ. Who became for us wisdom from, wisdom God. from God, righteousness, righteousness sanctification, sanctification, and redemption. Okay. And the simple thing is that I can live my life and go through the Bible, especially book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastic, and find wisdom. Or I can find Christ. Mm. Christ is my wisdom. And he is the wisdom of God. Mm. Christ is the wisdom of God. We have two ways. If I'm trying to find wisdom from the Bible, I'm still living my life. I'm still taking the decisions. But if I'm going to find, choose to daily die and allow Christ to live through me, the faith of Christ, Christ becomes my wisdom. These are two different ways of living within the kingdom of God. Two ways of living. For in him, you are, of him, you are in Christ. Who became for us? So what is my wisdom? Christ is my wisdom. What is my righteousness? Christ is my righteousness. What is my sanctification? Christ is my sanctification. So it is not connected with the certain ideas or things. It is connected with a person. Connected with a person. Okay? Let me, let me put this across so that we understand in terms of a home. Rebecca's mother decided to visit Rebecca. It never happened. Let us say Rebecca's mother decided to visit Rebecca. And she comes, and the first day Rebecca's mother comes, and uh, when she sits down to eat, everything that is cooked in the house is completely different from what the mother has taught her. And she says, what happened to you? What have you cooked? And she says, Isaac loves it. You know what happens? Isaac is her righteousness. Mm. Isaac is her righteousness. Mama, what you taught was good. But I am one in the spirit with another man. This is what he likes. Mm. My righteousness comes from him. Mm. Comes from him. My appreciation comes from him. Okay, That's what God is saying. Mm. You are one with Christ. You are one with Christ. 
If you learn to look, that's what I said, when you go through these things, look for Christ. Don't read this book the way you do your textbooks in school and college, because there you are looking for questions, answer, knowledge, and that's why the Bible will say men will go back and forth, back and forth in knowledge in the last days. Don't look for knowledge and wisdom primarily. Primarily you are looking for Christ. And what happens is, the life of Christ is wisdom. Mm. We don't need all biblical knowledge. We need Christ. When you are in a situation, you don't want to know, what should I do, Lord? Now, what would Christ do? What I want to do is irrelevant. What Christ should do is what matters. What would Christ do? What would Christ do? I'm in this situation. Lord, what should I do? No, what would you do? Every time we ask this question and we get an answer, you know what? Our mind is changing and our mind is becoming the mind of Christ. Mm, God says you have it. (coughs) Yes, you already have it. Functionally, positionally you have it. Mm. But functionally, but functionally it has to be, the question you ask has to be different. The question is not what should I do? What do you want me to do? That is what Jesus says. Father, what would you do? And he says, I speak what I hear. I do what he does. Mm. Okay, So he's living his father's life on earth and we are living, yes. called to live his mm. life on earth. Each one different. Because each one of us, we are in different homes, different offices. Different. But if Christ, that is the body of Christ supposed to be spread across the earth. But God says, if you look at, let us say, look at these five fingers. Every finger is different. They don't look the same. But every finger gets its instructions from the same head. Mm -hmm. They're not similar. But none of them contradict the head. None of them contradict the head. Every. God says that's how you are. You will all be different. All will be different. Because God is a God of the right. God is a God. That's why two, no two fingerprints, two eyeballs, all are different. Yet it is God. Because God is... What do you say? He's infinite. Mm. All the people in the world from all generations were to be saved, we still will not exhaust him. Mm. He can live through, let us say, at the end of the age, through 50 billion people and all 50 billion will be people and still living the life of God. Mm. That's what the Bible says in Corinthians. God will be all in all. God will be all Mm. in all. That's what God God wants. Mm. He's not creating clones. The devil wants clones. Mm. Devil wants clones. God doesn't want clones. Group identity. Yeah. That's what you are seeing everywhere. No? Devil wants clones. God doesn't want clones. God doesn't want, even in the church, he wants everyone to be different. But receiving the instruction from the head. Until we come to that maturity of this thing, God puts us under headship. Under headship. He says, learn now to submit. Learn. Learn now to submit. Because that is how you learn. This is a discipline. It will stand you. In mm-hmm. stand you in good state. So you will see all of them were under. Paul also was under. And then yes. he came back. And after that, God, he, you have learned it. Now we are on your own. We can move. That's how it works. Yeah. So when you look at the home, the family, we are not identical. We are not mm-hmm. equal. Hmm. There has to be equity. Equality is between two similar. How can a man and a woman be equal? They are not the same. Hmm. They are not Gender-wise, they are different. Sexuality is different. Their bodily experiences are different. There are common things, but the differences are so huge. Mm. 
So how can you take these two and try to make it equal? The whole devil is just to try to make him equal instead of bringing equity. He tried to bring equality. And when you try to bring two dissimilar these things equal, how do you compare? You are always going to have conflict. Your co-heirs with Christ is there. Why is there no issues over there? Because your bodies are similar. Bodies are similar. Then everybody's bodies are similar. We are not getting different bodies. Everybody's bodies are different. Everybody. So you will have no issues there in eternity. But this is the, this is the, this is the trial of faith, the test of faith. Men, in a hope, love your wife says Christ Jesus loved. Woman, this is your test. Submit your husband in all things as unto the Lord. Hmm. Okay. And if you notice that when it comes to abuse, if you go to, uh, 1st Corinthians 7, it is only told to the woman <laughs> because they are not equal. 1st Corinthians 7, okay, comes to 7, okay, 10 and 11. Now to the married I command you, yet not I but the Lord. A wife is not to depart from her husband. But even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband and her husband is not. Do you know what the Bible is talking about? Even there it is told the wife. Why is not told to the woman? This is actually, the actual this thing is that when there is violence. Violence, okay? Usually what happens is the woman who gets beaten up. Gets beaten up. So the protection is given to the woman. Okay, as far as I stay there. But if she does depart, because there is domestic violence. Okay, so if you notice in 21st century, all the laws are made to protect the woman, not the man. Mm. Yes. So they abuse that law and put men in lockup and all, but that's because the laws were framed to protect the man. So even the law accepts, of the most free nations, the law accepts the woman is weak. And she needs protection. <laughs> And God says, you know what, this should not happen in the home because you are supposed to protect her and you have become the abuser. Hmm. You are supposed to protect her. You have become the abuser. And if you become the abuser, God is still saying because of the mystery of Christ and the church, don't depart. But if she does depart, let her remain. Try for reconciliation. This is a principle. Try for reconciliation. Let her remain unmarried. Try for reconciliation. Let her be reconciled to her husband. Okay, so we need to understand what the principles are. This is not what the Bible is very clear on every subject. There is no confusion here. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the next words in chapter 12, it is talking about a different thing. But to the rest, I not the Lord say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. Okay, he says, okay, now you both were unbelievers. Now what happened is, uh, wife is, you go, came to the faith, the wife is not in the faith, but she doesn't want to leave. Look, though you are unequally yoked, okay, I wrote you what is the unity between Christ and Billy and light and darkness, all that, but you're married. Light and darkness are yoked together and darkness does not want to leave. But yet there is a mystical union about Christ and the church reflected in the marriage for that sake stay. How do you know the darkness might become light one day? Hmm. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. Verse 14, 
for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife and the unbelieving wife is sanctified what is sanctified doesn't mean they are not holy mm. they are set apart mm-hmm. set apart they get set apart in the sense like you know what let us say pastor vijay is married to jasmin and jasmin is not a believer and he gets saved the minute he gets saved she is automatically set apart from other unbelieving wives because she has a believing husband whose influence is going to come upon her life mm. she is set apart unlike the others okay. the unbelieving wife with the unbelieving husband cannot be set apart because there is no divine influence on our life mm. that is what it means so she is living in see let me ask you this question why did ruth want to go to israel because she was set, set apart, apart by the faith of her husband mm. And the family in which she lived, she was set apart. So she, unlike all the others in Moab, had a divine influence on her life, and that caused her to believe in the God of Israel. Mm-hmm. And in the process, God is saying, "You know what? Your children are also holy. They're not unclean. They're holy. Why? Because they also have." That's what Paul is talking to Timothy. Timothy, you know what? Your husband was, your father was Greek. But your, but your grandmother was a believer. Your mother was a believer. And that is the faith that was a sanctifying effect on your life. You came to know. When Paul finds Timothy, Timothy is already a believer. Disciple. Mm-hmm. He's already a disciple. So mm-hmm. this is, this, all these things we have to put over there. So we have to look at it in picture and we need to realize that we first of all, you know, has women. The women who are listening. First of all, let there be no gender confusion. Accept and appreciate your gender. Lot of women are very miserable with their gender. Because all these movies and these things and all, it says it's a man's world, it's a man's world. Why did God make me a woman? No, it's not a man. Do you really want to be a man? You don't understand men. Do you really want to be a man? First, appreciate yourself. God made you a woman. That's where God, God made me a woman. God made you a woman. I accept it with all my heart. And I will celebrate the fact that I am a woman. Mm. I have no issues with God. Otherwise, you know what? Your lot of things that is happening in lot of Christian women thing is that deep inside they are offended that they are women. <laughs> and ultimately they are offended with God. Mm. That God made a mistake. God did not make any mistake. If he made me a man, that is what he wanted me to be. If he made somebody a woman, that's what he made. First, accept that. From there, it begins. It begins with that male or female. Then the home you are born into. We have we have no choice over your father and mother. God chose it for you. Accept that and celebrate that. Ultimately, in all of this thing, you know what you are saying. You are saying what Moses said. You are right in all your ways. A God of injustice, a God of truth, you are absolutely right. You did not make a mistake in my gender. You did not make a mistake in my home. You did not mistake in the town I was born in. You did not make any mistake in anything. You had planned it all out. Therefore, you know, when you begin with that, you know what happens. God is able to speak to you. Hmm. Because you know, even God cannot speak to an offended person. If deep inside you are offended. He may use you. But he cannot change you. Don't confuse the two. He can use you. He can use you in Balaam's donkey. Mm. He can use you. Ultimately, everybody is used by God. Even the devil is used by God. <laughs> Pharaoh was used by God. Cyrus was used by God. It's not about whether God is using you. The simple question is, is God able to change yes. you to conform to the image of 
his son. So he sent his son to be born to two very semi-literate parents, very poor, with a stigma over his conception. Very poor. That's what God chose. And the son had no issues. Or the parents God chose for him. The way place he was born, the life he had to live, he had no issues at all. Absolutely. Because you knew my father is perfect. His will is perfect. That's how it all begins. Honestly, that's why you, you always have to go back to God. Because a lot of issues we have, though it is directed with people, it is actually directed with God. You are still not understanding, not accepting the sovereignty of God. Mm. Sovereignty of God. That so was sovereign. God was sovereign in my life. The parents he picked for me. Everywhere God was sovereign. We have to accept that. Otherwise when we are fighting our situations, sometimes we are not fighting the devil. We are fighting God. Mm. Fighting God. Okay. And that's what God is telling Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. Paul, Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you kicking against the gods? <laughs> why are you kicking against the gods? I brought you to this point. So that you would meet him. You are kicking against it. Okay. These are simple things as a man, as a woman. You know, all these things. You have to go back to God and accept the fact, Lord, you didn't make any mistake. I made mistakes. You didn't make any mistakes. Yes, I was born as a man. Male. That was your choice. But as a male, I made many mistakes because I did not know you. I did not seek you. I did not obey you. But everywhere which you chose, you have made no mistake. You chose my parents. My parents made many mistakes. I made many mistakes. But you did not make any mistake in the choosing of my parents. Choosing of my parents. The only issue was that you did not ask God. Okay. That's why when you are open to God, God is able to teach you. Okay, That's why Jacob is being taught in his old age. He's an old man. He's blind. He's happily settled in Joseph's, near Joseph. And Joseph brings Ephraim and Manasseh to him and he says, Father bless them. And he crosses his hand. And he tells Joseph, Joseph says, Dad, Dad, he says, I know what I am doing. He also will be blessed, but God has put the elder above the, the younger above the elder. The simple question is, why did God do that? He's teaching Jacob. He's teaching Jacob. Jacob, do you remember? Mm. Years and years ago, what you did? Mm. You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to. What did I tell your mother? The elder would serve the younger, right? I told your mother. Why did you do all this? Did your mother ask me? Did you ask me? Mm. Both of you never asked me. If you had asked me, I would have told you, keep quiet. Don't worry. Let your brother go, bring that meat, cook, give it to your father. When the time for blessing, he would have called you both. When it is time for him to bless, I would have crossed his hand because that prophetic blessing was not from him. That was from me. I would have crossed his hand. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to do any yes. of those things. So, see, we make mistakes. God never made any mistakes. So, one thing I will tell everyone here, everyone listening is, Never, ever be offended with God. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Mm. One thing, whether we accept it or not, He's always right. right. Yeah. <laughs> always right. No. 
is never wrong. So that is a very, very, it should be a very comforting thing. That God, Lord, if I were to listen to you, you are always right. I cannot go wrong. I cannot go wrong. So Lord, please, Lord, I want to be right. I want to be right. Lord, help me to listen to you and obey you. That is the life Jesus lived. He lived a life where he listened to his father all the time. And the father was right all, all the, time. the time. Okay. God is asking us to live those, that life. Okay. The faith of Christ. Christ. Not just the faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. Faith of. We begin with faith in Christ. We have to come to a point where it is the faith of Christ. The life that I live, Paul says. It is the faith of Christ. And I, in KJV, all of them made it that, that off they took and made it into in. Mm. The meaning changes completely. Mm. Changes completely. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let me give you an example so that you understand it very well. Okay. Understand it well. Okay. Let us say. Samir is sitting here. Okay. Samir is sitting over here. His father brought him up, taught him how to live. Came to Hyderabad, he works, he earns his money, and he lives. Right? He's living the way his father taught him. But the money is his. He goes home. He resigns, he goes home. Now he's living in his father's house. He's living the same life which his father taught him, but the money is his father's. You get it? One is Faith in his father. The other is faith of his father. Now, in the world we are not called to live like that. <laughs> okay? Okay? But in the kingdom of God we are only called to live like that. Why are you called only to live like that? Because the simple reason is one, he is always right to actually all the power is only his. The gold and the silver are his. Though we think that's why God tells you all in the old covenant. Don't forget, I am the one who gives you the power oh, to make Robert. wealth. The one who gives you the power. It's my money. It's mm-hmm. my money. Gold and the silver are my cattle on the thousand inside. So it's better that you live my life with my money. Mm-hmm. I can live my life with my money. And when you do that, you know, it's an, it's an enormous freedom, liberty that comes that we have to learn to move from just from faith in Christ. To the faith of Christ. Yes, Pastor Vijay? Yep. You want to call it a day? Yes, Pastor. It's 10, 8, 15. Mm-hmm. I hope it was eye-opener. <laughs> we have talked about the faith of Christ other times also. But there is a time and season for us. 2023 is an awesome year mm-hmm. because of, you know, God has said He would turn us. Even there, remember. It's a repentance become from God. It has to, God has to turn. Mm-hmm. See, however much you have turned, mm-hmm. have you noticed you are never satisfied? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So one of the things to do is stop turning and go to God and say, Lord, <laughs> you turn me. Will you please turn me? Mm-hmm. And suddenly when he turns, you will realize you are satisfied. Because the dissatisfaction is because you are not turning to God's satisfaction. But when he turns you, he is satisfied and without realizing you are satisfied because you have turned to what was expected. Yeah. 
Because when you are turning, you are never content because you are, is there more, is there more, is there more. But when God turns you, he says, that's, that's what I wanted. Yeah. Okay. And when he revives, he has to revive us. He has to revive us. Okay. And when resist, we have to resist in Christ mm. and through Christ. Otherwise, it will not work. Mm. It will not work. Okay. That's where the only weapon that is given is the word has to become spirit. Mm. Otherwise, it won't work. Mm. The sword of the spirit, which is, is the, the word, word of God. God. That means the word is now is it's in his hands. Mm. It has become his word. It's no longer your word. And only it will work against the devil. Otherwise, it won't work against the devil. Because the devil knows the Bible very well. He also uses scripture very well. So he has no issues with scripture. But when the spirit of God comes upon it, it's no longer. You are using it, but it's not yours. It's not yours. It's your voice. It's your tongue. It's your mouth. But it's not you. It is the spirit of Christ that has taken over. If you want to look at it. One words we will look before we close. Romans 8. If nobody has the spirit of Christ, does not belong to him. Yes, Romans 8. Nine, ten, eleven, I think. 9. 8, 9. Look at how it is written. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. S is capital. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is, he is not his. Now listen to it. The spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, it's got two other names. This Holy Spirit is also called the Spirit of God. It's called the Spirit of Christ. Mm. There are certain things which we'll never understand. I don't think even in eternity we'll be able to understand how can it be three and yet the Spirit of the Father and the Spirit of the Son is the same. Mm. Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God. Look at that. Yeah, Spirit of the God. Spirit of God. Yeah, Spirit of and S capital, Spirit of Christ. And Spirit. All three are there in that verse. The first Spirit is the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God... And the Spirit of Christ. In Jesus was the fullness of God, the Father and the Spirit. In the Spirit is the fullness of the Father and the Son in us. Mm. We need to understand that fact. In Jesus was the fullness of the Father and the Holy Spirit. In Him was the fullness of God and He was filled with the Spirit without measure. So in Christ was the fullness of the Father and the fullness of the Spirit. And He gives us the Holy Spirit. And in the Spirit, do you know who is there? The fullness of the Father and the fullness of the Son is in us. That's what we will come to you. And yes. We will abide with you. Yes. Yes. We will the Spirit has come in. You know who has come in? The Father and, and the, the Son, Son in their fullness has come in. Yeah. And in the Son was the fullness of the Father and the Spirit. And in us, through the Spirit, is the fullness of the Father, the fullness of the Son, and the fullness of the Spirit. And God says, now let him take control and keep growing so that his fullness is in us. And that fullness is the hope of our glory. Yeah. The hope of our glory. That is our, our hope for our glory is proportional to that fullness. And that is the faith of Christ. Hmm. Okay, so all those who are struggling around the world, all that, don't get upset. I mean, they are not upset, but you need to understand, you know. That's why the Bible says, Peter will say, when you are going through these trials, hmm. the spirit of glory is resting upon you. You need to understand in the hmm. persecuted churches, when they are actually being persecuted for Christ, and they react with the spirit of Christ, in the heavenly realm, there is glory over them. 
Man may not be able to see them. The glory of God is resting upon them because you know what? Even while they're living on earth, Christ is so much being glorified in their lives that in the heavenly realm, the glory is visible. Able to visible. And one day when they are translated, their glory won't be like our glory. <laughs> their glory, of course, persecution is different. Okay, in, in the free countries, the persecution is over your soul. Mm. The other country is the persecution body. over your body. body. So both are persecutions. You don't, you don't raise one over the other. <laughs> one over the other. Okay. The non-persecuted countries where there is persecution, the persecution is on your soul. It's in tremendous pressure put on your soul. They won't touch your body because there are laws. But they will put every kind of pressure on you to buckle. On your tobacco, so that pressure is on your soul, on your soul. Okay. On the other side, there the pressure is not there on that soul. The pressure is on their body. Mm. It's no pressure on their soul. They are anywhere living in secret. But if they are caught, they are beaten, they are raped, they are killed. So pressure is always on their body to escape that on their body. But here, nobody beats you, law and order, everything is there. But every kind of pressure is constantly borne yeah. by the system, the yeah. state, not to live the life of Christ. Wow. Hmm. Compromise, 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 hmm. compromise, compromise. The pressure is brought to bear on it. And if you don't compromise, they come, they will do things. But they won't touch your body. Except in certain places, they won't touch your body. But they will put pressure on. So both are different kinds of persecution. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, God says, know how to react. Yeah. Know how to react. Don't buckle and don't break under pressure. Just hang in there, hang in there. Okay, hang in there. Okay. And the souls in heaven went through this on earth. So they were waiting. That's why they asked, how long, Lord? When we were on earth, we were waiting. When we will escape. Okay, we died, we came here. But here also we are waiting when we'll, when will we get our body. God says a little more long. Your other brothers are coming through. Let this complete number come in. That's how it works. Mm. That's why God says keep your mind on things above. What will it be like in eternity? Mm. Keep their mind there. You will be able to handle it here. Okay. Mm. So he endured the cross and the shame. How did he endure it? He kept his mind up. The joy. He already knows the joy. He has already experienced because he is God. Revelation 21 and 22. The bride and the spirit and eternity with the father, redeemed people, all that he knows what it is. He saw that and he endured it. That is the joy that is set before him. The same way God says, you also see it. That's why I always say, when you are discouraged and depressed, read 21, 22. Chapter 21, 22 are two chapters you should read. Constantly read it over and says, you know what? And that is not fiction. That is not fairy tale. Mm. It is real. Mm. It is absolutely real. And when you read that, your spirit will calm down and you'll realize, okay, that's where I'm going. Amen. <laughs> that's where I'm going. Yes, we'll close. Yes, Pastor Vijay, you'll pray. Pastor, please. pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Everyone out there listening, Lord. There are so many listening who are tormented, Lord. They're not believers. They're on the other side. But I know they tune in and they listen. They are tormented day and night. Once again, we appeal to you. Come to Christ. Come to Christ. Otherwise, you will be tormented in this life. An unbelievable torment in the next. 
come to Christ today, if you are listening, you belong to the circle, you went into the occult, cry out, call upon the name of Jesus. He will set you free. Only He can set you free. Nobody can set you free. So once again, we lift Christ. And we appeal to you, brethren, as Paul said, call upon the name of Jesus. Cry out to Him. He will deliver you. He will first give you peace in your soul. The torment will go. You will have rest. Then He will teach you. He will lead you one step at a time how to be fully set free. But today, not tomorrow, today, always it is today, the day of salvation. Call upon Him. And the others, Father, I speak healing into everybody. Everybody that is ill, I speak healing. So many, Lord, not well. Lord, that you would touch them. Amma is not well. Brother C's mother not well. Harisha's mother not well. All these mothers, Lord, we bring them before thee. To speak healing over their bodies, Lord. Touch them, Lord. It was purchased by you 2,000 years ago. We speak that into their lives, into their bodies. Touch them, touch them, touch them. Heal them. Anybody else? Heal them. Those who are troubled, upset by the injustice that is happening, I pray, Lord, they will be angry at the injustice, but they will not sin and give place to the devil. You have told us, it's a command, be angry, but do not sin. But we will fight the good fight the way you have ordained it. We will not fight flesh and blood, we fight powers of darkness. And I pray they will be zealous. And they will continue this fight, Lord. Continue this fight. Every one of them. No one will grow weary in well-doing. We may not see results now. But Lord, on that day, oh Father, you will say, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. So I pray, Father, comfort, heal, comfort, strengthen, and lift your people. It's a year we will turn because you will turn us. We will be revived because you will revive us. And through you, we will resist the devil. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty in God. For the pulling down of strongholds. Yes, Lord, in you, Christ. They are mighty. Thank you, thank you, Father. Be with us, Lord. If you tarry to come tonight, you give us another day, we'll be in your house and you will be in our midst. Help us to glorify you, Lord, in everything that we do in your house, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. amen.